Hello and welcome to Midweek Devotions. My name is Costa and now's the time for us to be looking at what the Bible says and be doing that together. In this, our second season of our podcast, we're continuing our Names of God series. Today, arguably the most contentious, and that is Father. We'll be briefly touching upon the issues surrounding calling God Father, why the Bible often does, and why Jesus called God his Father. Well, with that in mind, please turn to John chapter 14, verse 6, if you've got a Bible. Uh, If you don't, you can just simply follow follow along. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, thanks that we can be looking at the Bible right now. Help us to understand what it means to call you Father. Now, for some that can be really difficult, and so help us to be wise. Help us to understand what it means to call you our Father, so that we may uh, put it into practice as we follow Jesus. Amen. I always pay attention to the first line of a person's prayer. And the reason why is because it can say so much about that person's relationship with God. For example, a friend of mine, when they were going through a cancer treatment, would always begin his prayers with, Dear good God, thanks for being a good God. Uh, He always started his prayers that way as a reminder of God's goodness to him, even during that time. Another friend of mine, real chilled, relaxed kind of a guy, he would always begin his prayers by saying, Hey, hey God. I've heard many priests and high church officials uh, change their tone of voice when they pray, Holy Father. But the one which stands out for me is a friend who always prayed, Dear Papa. He used that title to demonstrate the intimacy between God and himself, uh, that the relationship they had, that the care God had for him was just like a father to his child. Well, today, as we continue our series in Names of God, we're looking at Father. How is it that we can call God Father? And even more so, why? Because whilst calling God Papa was a sign of affection for my friend, for others there are great concerns with calling God Father. Of all the names of God, arguably this is the most contentious. Because to our modern ears, referring to God as Father can sound archaic, uh, that we're propping up a social construct, uh, a perpetuation of the patriarchy, and a belief that God is male. Well, firstly, the Bible declares that God is spirit, not male. Secondly, to understand the idea of God as Father, us moderns who are living in the West must be willing to explore a time and culture different to our own. 
Because for most of history and in most cultures, fathers possess the responsibility of guarding, supporting, caring and having authority of the family. Therefore, we ought not to consign the metaphor of God the Father to the past, but see what it means for us today. Another issue with calling God Father arises from its relative scarcity in the Old Testament. There's only about 20-ish references in the Old Testament to God as Father. By contrast, there are hundreds in the New. And as such, some believe that God as Father is a purely New Testament invention, or that we're actually meeting an entirely new God. But the discrepancy between the Old Testament and the New is due to the progressive and unfolding nature of redemptive history. Uh, It is true that God is not frequently called Father in the Old Testament. But that doesn't mean God wasn't father to Israel. Rather, God did not emphasize his fatherhood, so to speak, at that time. But over time, as God further reveals his plans and purposes, and as his promises move from the people of Israel to the person of Jesus, it's unsurprising the frequency of God as father increases. So God has always been a father to his people, and that is an idea which is further revealed and fulfilled in the Son. Now, a final difficulty with calling God Father is due to the poor relationships that people can have with their earthly fathers. You know, those with dads who dominate or are distant or even abusive, well, they can find it extremely difficult to call God Father, and understandably so. Yet the opposite can also be true. Uh, those with poor f- fathers can know that while their earthly dads fail, they know that their heavenly father is faithful. Now, I admit that more can be said about the issues surrounding calling God as father. Hopefully, these brief explanations can help us begin to see why the Bible uses father as one of the names of God. Well, now let's look at what the Bible says. Let's now look at what the Bible says about God as father. And as we do, we'll find that there are three main aspects of God's fatherhood in the Bible. Uh, Firstly, as a parent to his children. Secondly, as a promise maker to his people. And thirdly, how those promises are fulfilled in Jesus. That is, in the relationship between Jesus the Son and God the Father. Firstly, let's look at the idea of God as parent. And just as parents create children, they don't come from out of nowhere... Well, God created his people. And so that's why Moses in Deuteronomy 32 verse 6 says to the people, Is God not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? So whilst God is the creator of everything and everyone, uh, God created a people for himself. Out of all the nations, God chose, formed, and made his people. So just as a parent creates their children, God the Father has made a people. And whom God creates, God loves, God delights in. And part of that love also involves discipline. Like any good parent, God disciplines his children. And so that's why in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. So just as our parents disciplined us, so too does God with his children. Therefore, God is a parent to his people. God the Father created, loves, and even disciplines his children, just as a father with his. 
And God's discipline is a result of his people's unfaithfulness. Often they are described as rebellious children. Yet despite their failure, God remains faithful. And that is the second aspect of God as Father in the Bible. God keeps his promises to his people. But something interesting occurs with God's promises. They move from being somewhat general in nature to being something more specific. They move from people to a person. Now don't get me wrong, these promises are for God's people, but they now begin to reflect a relationship between two specific persons. And that is God the Father and the Son. And that's why in 2 Samuel 7, we've got a promise where God says, I will be his father and he will be my son. In Psalm 2 verse 7, we've got a prophecy. You are my son, today I've become your father. Now the question is, who will this son be? Well, this son will be no ordinary person. Rather, the son will reflect the father, bear the father's likeness, do things that the father has done. And so at Christmas, we dig out this verse about the child born to us. It says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so this child will be like God. The son will possess similar characteristics to the father, or as we like to say, like father, like son. And because the son is just like the father, he will not fail. He will not be a rebellious child, but faithful. And so the relationship that God has long desired for his people will be fulfilled in this person. The relationship that the father desired will be fulfilled in the son. And that's what we see in Jesus. Jesus resisted temptation in the desert and was faithful. Jesus brought people to himself. I guess you could say he created a people. And like a parent, he taught and corrected his friends. And he taught and did many wonderful and mighty things. And so when we look at Jesus' life and ministry, we can see how it reflected God. That the things that he did could only have been done because the Father was with him and in him. And so as Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And when he taught his disciples, he often used the phrase, you know, your father in heaven. So whether it was about prayer or forgiveness or asking God for things, he pointed his people to consider their father in heaven, or at times, my father in heaven. And if you look at that reading from John, we can see how dominant Jesus' use of God as father is. Jesus declared that he was sent from the Father. He is doing the Father's work. The Father is in him. He is the way to the Father and that he is going to the Father. And so Jesus really lives us with no illusions that he is the Son and that God is his Father. And to cap it all off, on two occasions, a voice from heaven is heard to say, This is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. And so God himself confirms that Jesus is his son and that he is the father. But his opponents hated him using this term. So much so that on one occasion, they picked up stones ready to kill him because he claimed to be God's son. To them, he was a mere man. And to claim sonship was the ultimate blasphemy. 
And ultimately, this is why Jesus is crucified. At his trial, he's accused of many things. The religious rulers are looking for one thing to pin on Jesus so they can get rid of him. And it all comes down to one question. Jesus is asked, are you the son of the blessed one? And his answer is direct, I am. And with that, he is crucified. Jesus is crucified because he claimed to be God's son. Well, three days later, we can see that he is. The resurrection demonstrates the eternal relationship between Jesus and God, between the Son and the Father. The resurrection verifies that Jesus was doing the Father's work, that the Father was in him. Jesus was doing the Father's work and none more so than on the cross. There he truly glorified the Father. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus has made a way to God. Jesus the Son has made a way to God the Father. It is because of who Jesus is, the Son, that it is the only way to the Father. Therefore, God as Father, it's an idea that is born in the Old Testament, which finds full expression in the New In the Bible, we see God as parent. We see God who keeps promises, and we see how the promises of God the Father are fulfilled in Jesus the Son. Now, what should our response be to uh, knowing that Jesus is the Son and God is Father? Well, firstly, let us remember that God the Father is our creator. God has made and formed us, the church. We are God's family. And in God's family, God has no favorites. So remember that God the Father has created us. In turn, let that influence how you view others at church. That should motivate us to love, forgive, and serve other people of God's family. Secondly, let us honor God the Father. Let's not be like God's people of old. Let's not be rebellious children. Let us obey and, if need be, accept the Father's discipline. Now, discipline, it's no fun at the time, but God the Father disciplines us so we can be conformed to the image of the Son, so that we can become more like Jesus. So let's honor the Father. Finally, let us remember that the closeness that the Father and Son share is also ours. That the intimacy between Jesus the Son and God the Father, well, it is also ours. And that closeness and that bond results in our confidence. And so it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And so Abba is a term of warm affection. It's, it's similar to calling our fathers Daddy. It is a term of endearment that expresses our closeness to God the Father and our confidence. Again, because of Jesus, he has made a way to God the Father. Because of Jesus, we can approach God in assurance. Because of Jesus is the Son, we can be confident because we are God's children. We have been adopted into God's family. And therefore, because Jesus is the Son, we can call God our Father. And that's not because we're holding on to the past, but because of God's love and care for us expressed in Jesus. The bond and closeness the Father and Son share are also ours. And therefore, we too can cry out, Abba, Father, 
or maybe even start our prayers by saying, Hey, Papa. Well, with that in mind, let's pray. Dear God, thank you that we can call you Father. Now, for some, that can be difficult. So help us to be wise. Help us to know what it means. It means that you're like a parent to us, that you have made us, you have formed us into a community and made us your family and that you care for us deeply and that the promises that you made to your people have been fulfilled in Jesus and Jesus reflected uh, your character traits. Jesus did the things that you called him to do. He was faithful and it's because of Jesus that we can come to you, that we have access to you, that we can approach you in full confidence It's because of Jesus that we can call out Abba, Father. It's just a reflection of the incredible care and love and intimacy and bond that we have with you. May it uh, spur us on to love other members of the family. You have created us and to help us to uh, be like Jesus to, to others in the family. Thanks that we can call you Father. May we always remember Uh, the closeness and bond that we share all through Jesus, your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today in our second season of Midweek Devotions, looking at the names of God. Hopefully you can tune in next Wednesday as we continue the series. And until then, uh, I hope you may come to know more and more about what it means to call God our Father. Until then, thanks.